Support for this podcast comes from Davis Malm. If you're a buyer, seller, investor, or lender, Davis Malm attorneys know each deal has unique needs and requirements. Building client relationships one transaction at a time. More at davismalm.com, D-A-V-I-S-M-A-L-M.com. Hey, listeners, it's Daryl C. Murphy. Team Common has been off this week, so in place of our regular show, we're bringing you a special redrop of our Earth Week series. Today's episode published on April 20th and brings us to Boston's South End. WBUR Podcasts, Boston. Last year we had, there was a couple of days where we had a heat wave, you know? What was that like for you out here? It was very oppressive. It was very hard to come out here to even smoke a cigarette. <laughs> I know it sounds strange, but you know, most places don't allow you to smoke in, indoors. So yeah, it's very hard. Like I don't even want to be bothered. That's Boston resident Chatel Lewis. We met her on her stoop in the South End. It's one of the neighborhoods in the city that can get really hot during the summer. During a heat wave specifically, like does it, do you notice that it gets hotter here than other parts of the city? Sometimes it does, yeah, you're right. It does get a little bit hotter around this part of town compared to like other parts of town, like you know, the other parts of the inner city, like like Dorchester and High Park. Yeah, it does get a little bit warmer around here. Yeah. Boston is a heat island. That means it gets hotter here than it does in other surrounding towns and communities because of its dense development and lack of green space. But some parts of the city get hotter than others. Heat islands within a heat island, if you will. The South End, where Chatel lives, is one of those neighborhoods. I usually stay inside, stay indoors, and just turn on the AC. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. We're continuing our special Earth Week series, where every day we're bringing you stories about the very present impacts of climate change on our city and region. Warmer weather is one of the most obvious impacts of climate change. And in cities like Boston, that means hotter summers. According to the city, over the last decade, Boston experienced more hot days than any decade in the previous 50 years. And it's only expected to get hotter. In a neighborhood like the South End, that's a serious problem. And we want to know why. Well, we could head down the map. Yeah, let's head that way. All right, that'd be this way. Reverend Vernon K. Walker is the program director of CREW, Communities Responding to Extreme Weather. It's an organization that works to prepare communities to be climate resilient. CREW is national, but its roots and the bulk of its work are in the Boston area. We are at the St. Stephen's Episcopal Church here in the South End, 419 Shawmut Avenue. Uh, and this is so happens to be one of the communities responding to extreme weather hubs or crew. We not only distribute air conditioner units, but we also uh, provided workshops on best practices to stay cool during extreme heat. The function of a hub is to distribute information to its community around 
uh, best practices to prepare for uh, localized extreme weather. So we have three levels of, of, of hubs, all our hubs. We have about 122 across the United States and all our hubs now are at engagement centers, but we're planning to help our hubs move to level two and level three, where they will also provide uh, a warming center during the winter time and a cooling center uh, during the uh, summertime. Uh, so essentially that's what hubs, hubs are businesses, faith communities, uh, libraries, uh, etc. that is meeting a social need in the community. As we walk from St. Stephen's Church through the neighborhood, Reverend Walker points out some of the factors that can make it particularly hot in the South End and other parts of the city. So this pavement here, it contributes to the urban heat island effect. Yeah. So the more impervious surfaces that you see, such as what we're walking on now, this retain heat and, and, and then the heat releases at night. So this concrete that we're walking on contributes to the urban heat island effect that the South Bend here experiences. Mm -hmm. But in general, the signs of, of uh, urban heat island is also black rooftop. Interestingly enough, there is a movement to paint rooftops white uh, and it's actually happening in Chelsea and other parts of the country. Because if you paint roofs white, it's reflective of the heat and it'll actually cool uh, indoor temperature. Pavement, asphalt, dark roofs, densely packed together, lacking green space, things like mature trees and parks, it all contributes to one place feeling hotter than another. Again, heat islands within a citywide heat island. The city even created a map to show these hotspots. It's color-coded with the cooler parts of the city in blue and the hottest parts in red, ranging from less than 92 degrees to more than 107 degrees in the daytime during a heat wave. Chinatown, South Boston, Alston Brighton, and of course, the South End, contain some of the reddest areas. The city finds that these areas also stay hot longer than other parts of the city. Some pockets even experience high heat for as much as 37 hours. That kind of heat can be oppressive. But perhaps more so for some than others. City data shows more than a quarter of households in the South End bring in an annual income under $25,000 per year. Reverend Walker says it can be tough to manage the impacts of heat when you're living off of slimmer means. When one is suffering from poverty, one does not have the ability to, to get up and move out of an urban heat island. Also, the, the paradox with it is one often may not be able to afford an air conditioner. And if one can afford an air conditioner, they might not be able to afford the surge in prices to their electricity bill that will result in them using their air conditioner uh, to stay cool in the summertime. Right. Right. So it's certainly a catch-22. And then there's another factor that plays into the experience of extreme heat, racism. The South End is one of several neighborhoods in Boston that suffered from the legacy of redlining, a practice started in the 1930s where the federal government discouraged banks from offering mortgage loans to residents in non-white communities. Redlining was outlawed in the 1960s, but its effects are still felt today. The city finds that during a heat wave, formerly redlined areas in Boston can be 7.5 degrees hotter in the daytime than the rest of the city. And these are communities that experience a lot of harm. 
So we see how these things all exist simultaneously, therefore creating a vortex of vulnerability and making people that live in those communities more susceptible to asthma and other, and other health consequences because of, uh, because of climate change. Throwing heat in the mix of all of that, that just makes, <laughs> that just complicates everything, makes it worse. You yeah, know? yeah. We'll be right back. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we're back. Hirsch Bendre, I live in the South End. Eight out of the last 10 years I've been in the South End. Over that time, have you noticed it getting hotter? Um, I feel like I've noticed the climate in general getting hotter. I wouldn't say that I've like particularly associated it with the South End. Okay. Right now I'm in an air-conditioned building, so yeah, inside I don't really notice it, and where I work is air-conditioned uh, the entire day. I previously, uh, this would be about four years ago now, I lived in an apartment that was not air-conditioned, and it was pretty rough. I remember that one summer w was really rough, and then we ended up having to buy an air-conditioning unit, and we needed, like, a more expensive non-window unit because the window wasn't actually window units didn't weren't compatible with that type of window so i had to buy this other thing because it was just getting so so hot in that apartment so we're on mass ave in chester square a little park and there are some trees and stuff but there's still like a lot of pavement out like here loose. and stuff like that 
So while you have a presence of trees, this is not quite an urban forestry. A bit like, for example, around Franklin Park, if you look at the, the, the effects of heat, uh, that is like very blue. What we showed during our presentations is that climate change is likely to cause more and more hot days. Uh, so we know that climate change is intensifying the heat and it's causing more and more hot days and longer hot days. Heat waves are not going away because climate change is not a new phenomenon. Now, a lot of folks don't realize how the occurrences of extreme heat is a result of climate change. So that's what we're finding. And we find a lot of people that underestimate the seriousness of heat. I want to point out a stat that extreme heat is the leading killer of extreme weather events across the United States. Uh, as the statistics bear it out, that it kills more people than flood, it kills people, more people than rip currents, it kills more people than tornadoes and hurricanes. So extreme heat is the, the deadliest. Here, Reverend Walker pulls an orange pouch out of his backpack. The packaging says, chill out, heat relief. It's one of the handheld cooling kits he and the rest of crew distribute for free in the communities they work in. So we have instant cold compressors, and this is designed to help people cool down. We have electrolyte tablets, and we have, can you hold that for a second? All right, thank you. We have water. We have emergency drinking water here. Uh, to also thank you. A cooling kit is an important tool for climate resilience, but it's only one piece. In order to survive in our changing climate, Reverend Walker says we have to look out for more than just ourselves. Share with me your thoughts on the role of community in, in all of this and how folks can work together. Yes, I'm glad you asked that, Daryl. Uh, social connections and social cohesion Will, will be very critical to survival during extreme weather events. Uh, so we believe that social resilience is the best way to become climate resilient. Uh, so the way what that looks like is we work with our hubs and when people come to the uh, workshops, uh, we wanna be able to introduce people to each other in hopes that social solidarity can be built. Uh, so for example, if someone needs, a, if someone doesn't have an air conditioner in their home, or they don't have central air in their home, if they have a friend that's been able to give them a ride to a library or to a rec center, or the friend is able to uh, welcome them to their house, then what we have is a person being able to be resilient against extreme heat when they have that social connection in place. More on crew and the resources they offer in the Boston area can be found at climatecrew.org. Today's episode is part of our Earth Week series, looking at the very present impact of climate change in our community. Check out the rest of our coverage at wbur.org or wherever you're listening now. And if you have thoughts on today's episode, email us at thecommon at wbur.org or message us on Instagram at wburthecommon. Today's episode was produced by Caitlin Harrow. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and we'll be back with more tomorrow.